0: Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Leadership Enigma. Now, you know that we have over 150 episodes, so please do check out the YouTube channel, subscribe to that so you can see all of the episodes which will go onto the channel and all the back catalogue, which will also go onto the channel. And you know that you can find us on all your major podcast platforms. Now, what a privilege to be working with leaders all over the world. And we always talk about how do we prepare and make sure that we're ready for every eventuality. But the reality is, how do we make sure that we are in the moment and we're ready for something as it happens, that we have that confidence, we have that panache, we just have the ability to get on with it. Sometimes we don't see it coming around the corner. So you don't want to miss this particular episode when I have the wonderful Neil Malarkey with me in the studio for the first time. Neil Malarkey, comedian extraordinaire, author extraordinaire. Co-founder of the Comedy Store Players, we might, might, there is so much that Neil will do a much better job of explaining who he is and what he's been doing than me. Come back to me just after this break. Hi, I'm Adam Pacifico and welcome to The Leadership Enigma, a world-ranked, award-winning podcast that's insatiably curious as regards what leaders do, how they do it, and importantly, why. Why? We'll delve into the human doing, but even deeper into the human being and the power of human centered leadership to drive sustainable change. So whether you're an entrepreneur, business owner, corporate executive, each week we speak to global experts, academics, rising stars, ambitious upstarts and disruptors, as together we will discover that success leaves clues. So Neil, it's a huge welcome to the Leadership Enigma. How are you? I'm Great, thank you. Thank you for having me. This is your second time on the show. I was so good. You were so good. We booked you again. Well, I was last time with Adam Kingle. Now, Adam's in America at the moment, yeah. so if he's, I'm hoping watching or listening. He's also going to come back in because he's got a book out too. He has. Uh, but this is your first time in the studio.
1: I'm very excited to be in the studio. You've flown me to Bermuda to be <laughs> in this it's plush studio. It's fantastic it's to be, be here. It's our best kept secret, isn't it? It is. Thank now, you. Now, you're
0: someone who's who's very used to being in a studio. So I think uh,
1: you were mildly impressed, weren't you, with the surrounding? Mild? Surround? Stoutly impressed. That was. This is amazing. It's fantastic. Last time, it was just you in a shed. You, <laughs> did, you did have some sort of box that, that made I you did. feel like a jukebox. dude you know a dude. What?
0: It was a lockdown project, remember, yeah. that has just grown it's and grown. It's just grown, grown and, and grown. The Pacifico
1: and, is like the Pacific. It's everywhere. Oh, I like that. I can see
0: where this episode is going to go. You're an ocean
1: <laughs> of podcasts.
0: We are going to have fun. Even I can hear James chuckling in the corridors already. I no, I think he's on. coughing. He's just, oh, is he yeah. just coughing? Listen, I, I did a very, very uh, bad introduction, really, I think. But um, I've got to just want to start with a question because I know you've also spoken about this. You co-founded the Comedy Store Players with Mike Myers. Now, you've just got to tell that story. And I think in some ways, I always find that if we talk about Mike Myers, it dates me. Because it's either synonymous with Wayne's World with Shrek or with Austin Powers. And I think depending where we are on that demographic
1: depends on how did that happen. Yeah, um, loads of people don't know who he is other than Shrek. And I believe there's a new Shrek coming out. Oh, is there? Mm, Oh, you heard it I can reveal (laughs) that. Uh, So the thing is, I was doing a show with the Cambridge Footlights. So this is Cambridge University people I went to Cambridge because I wanted to be in the footlights because John Cleese, because Monty Python, because Peter Cook. I got there and Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie and Emma Thompson were there. Right. Uh, So that's the kind of person that uh, attracted me. And then obviously since then, Mitchell and Webb, Olivia Coleman, Sasha Baron Cohen, loads of brilliant writer, performers, etc. And so uh, he'd heard of the Cambridge Footlights. So when we were playing in a tiny pub theatre... Up in Notting Hill yes, and he just moved here didn't know anybody he knocked on the door and said to them can I help <laughs> I think he could meet John Glees and it was just us schmucks and You're they right. said they didn't know who he was so they said you can paint the set so he painted our set and you we got was... Mike
0: Myers painting the set exactly Love and it. selling
1: tickets for us so Uh, We had used all... It was a pub theatre. We'd used all the regular chairs on stage. So he was sitting in a wheelchair, not because he's a wheelchair user, because that was all that was left. Right. Selling tickets, these little sort of raffle ticket stubs, freezing cold. He was in his hat and coat and scarf because there was no central heating. And I got talking to him. Yes. And he said, I've come from Second City, Canada. Yes. I'd heard of Second City because a lot of people came from Second City to Saturday Night Live. Uh, Right, Okay. Including the Blues Brothers. John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd... And I thought, oh, if he's come from that stable, I want to know more. Oh, he was amazing. You're talking I, about heroes of mine now. Exactly. Uh, wow. And it's a great joy to me that my son's favourite movie is The Blues Brothers. Oh. So I discovered all about this. And I didn't know Mike told me that um, actually uh, Second City do improv. I knew they did sketches, but they do improv as well. And often they develop characters through improv. So yes. he and I started doing a doubler because he's funny. I don't know if you noticed, but he's funny. And he just he's made got, me he's laugh. He's got a way about him, was not uh, he? Yeah. Well, I took him to see, I said, he was writing sketches. I said, in 1985, nobody's doing sketches. It was all stand-up, alternative. Right. So we went to see a few things. He made me laugh, including one time we went out. And he did that thing where he walks down the stairs. Yes. Uh, but he did it the other side of a car. <laughs> and so I said, let's do something together. We called ourselves Malarkey and Myers. And we basically wrote sketches that were just silly um so we did a sketch based on what you could do if you can only see the top half of somebody right so i'm glad this is on youtube but for example we had a bit where somebody dun 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 dun, dun it was a shark right uh, jaws do we have to pay copyright for that <laughs> um and then <laughs> and we actually it was a fish slice like that doing doing the, the fin of the shark uh, and lots of other things where you could only see the top half of somebody so that was called dr wicked this character who was so evil that he was invisible so to be visible uh we put up oh look at that <laughs> uh, that's my book by the way but, <laughs> yeah. but i don't know what James is doing he's uh, is that without he's, a little... I think he's trying to find some ah, your... things because yeah. if
0: you're saying dr wicked i wonder if that was almost the seed of the ideas of some of the characters that Mike Myers
1: has gone I into. I dare say it is. We used to, and he he, he kind of acknowledges, we used to say, you know, what if you're a, a kind of an evil villain and you talk to your son? <laughs> you say, one day all of this will be yours. Right. One day you'll be as evil as me, sort of thing. Uh, and if you're a henchman, do you get a pension? <laughs> You know what what are the pay what are the terms and conditions of being a henchman, and in austin powers there is there 's kind of a celebration, and then the henchman get the phone call oh he 's died, oh dear anyway um the thing was we started this double act it was just silly funny cartoony stuff right um, We did one sketch, which was basically those 1950s movies in America where the aliens have landed, and the aliens clearly are communists. And we said well, I played an alien and all the other characters in the village. And Mike was the leader trying to repel the aliens. Um, and so people saw this. There's a woman called Kit Hollibach who'd worked with uh, Robin Williams in San Francisco. She was doing a show at the same venue in Edinburgh as us, right. along with a guy called Dave Cohen, who's a writer who'd done horrible histories and I have got news. Wow. And a young fellow called Paul Martin. Real name, Paul Martin. Stage name, Paul Merton. Ah. So we... Sort of said, let's do an improv bit one night at Edinburgh at two (laughs) a.m. So, as you do, as you do, because that's the slot. That's Edinburgh. Uh, Mike and Kit taught us some of the games. We did it. There's about seven people in the audience. By the end, Paul, Dave, and Kit had run away. Just me and Mike were there, and we got a door split—one pound eighty-five each, (laughs) something like that. But then the comedy store said, "Oh, that's interesting. We'll have a go at this," because they were just doing Fridays and Saturdays. Yeah. And so they said, "Why don't you do Sundays? We'll do improv." But nobody had heard of improv. So basically, I met Mike. He was selling tickets for showers in. He made me laugh and he thought I was acceptable. Um, we did this double act. The improv thing sort of came along yep. um, because the comedy store wanted something and Kit and Dave were saying, oh, well, let's do some improv. Uh, Sunday could fit it. Um, and Mike and I have been friends ever since. That's why I'm in a couple of his Austin Powers movies. I know.
0: <laughs> I was just about to ask that. You have made your way into those movies.
1: Well, it's funny how I was on a uh, safari 20 years ago in South Africa. And I don't know this guy asked what I did and I said, uh, and he Googled me right. and he found the Swedish made larger scene in Austin Powers. Yeah. And it's kind of as, as if I'd said I was, uh, you know, the Messiah, the people who, who love Austin Powers and particularly that. Oh, scene, It's, it's an they, iconic character. They think, you know, it's it's a great calling card. You know, they'll forgive me anything. If I say I was the man who just had to look a bit sort of, supercilious Uh, and Mike sort of it was hard to get me in to be honest with you can I reveal this is that when you do a movie yeah or when you did then you had to have a certain number of points especially for international sales points being so Hugh Grant is five right okay um, I didn't know any of, any of this. Yes, see. exactly. Um, and somebody else could be two or three. And they were thinking for this character, this could be a way. There, there we go. That's my scene. Well done. Look at how young I am. Swedish. Oh, this is brilliant. There we go. Uh how exciting. This is great stuff, James. So I I I didn't know Liz Hurley, but I did know Hugh Grant, because I'd played cricket with him. <laughs> and Chris Lang, who's written Unforgotten, and another actor called Andy Taylor. So we we chatted. And so I was kind of a touch and go. They needed some points, but I think they got uh, they got um, a few other actors to play small parts here and there. Right. Uh, what was the guy who called Tom Rosambar's ex husband, who was in the toilet when somebody's saying who is number two, and he was squeezing out a poo, uh, <laughs> that kind of thing. And they got. They I got, told
0: you this episode uh, could and go anywhere. So anyway,
1: they said, okay, we can have. So I was zero. Your friend who zero, it's okay. We've got some other numbers elsewhere. Right. And so I flew in, and it was a bit scary. Um, and basically, I had from four o'clock until about six o'clock to do this scene because it was all fairly low budget. Because nobody, Austin totally did it. was an exist. enormous successor. Well, it was. It was one of those things, the budget was tiny. Right. Uh, mostly my fee. There we go. This sort of thing is my bag, baby. Um, but it was tiny. So, so uh, everyone
0: just, you just want to do an impression suddenly, don't you, when yeah, you watch well, this, it was this scene?
1: Because he's a bit little based on one of my friends who said, hello. Right. Uh, this sort of thing ain't my bag, baby nothing to do with me um and this he he loves english characters of course so there we go all i had to do was just slightly look sardonic in the background and uh uh, feed in Mike his lines when he did his thing. <laughs> there we Brilliant. go. Brilliant, I love it. So anyway, so Mike and I still in touch. I was in the Pentaveret, yeah. uh, his Netflix series that came out last year, which some of which was filmed here, not far from where we are. We're not actually in Bermuda. No, we're not. We're in Mill Hill. I w- well, I wanted to leave it as Bermuda, but <laughs> uh, fine. The, you've outed the, us now. The UCL Observatory is where the the final scene that I'm in. Oh, uh, which, in is the just, which is just yeah, yeah, just round exactly. the corner. Exactly. So Mike's kept in touch. Uh, so I was ha- uh, lucky to be in that. He said, "I've written this thing for you. Uh, only you can do it." And they've, all, you know, persuaded that I can do it. Fair friend we're filming in London. Yeah, uh, you get a nice costume, uh, and I said, "I'm in." So we are chums ever since. And he, I was his kind of introduction to, to to England, I suppose. His parents are British. Uh, but he needed a chum to sort of get his way into this cabaret circuit. We were very popular with the other comedians because we were unlike anyone else, really. Yeah. And they were slightly amused by us because we had loads of props. We had a whole, we had a curtain and two kind of big, sort of traffic cones to hold up the curtain and a bamboo stick to do this thing. We had a Ford Fiesta full of props. Um, and then the improv thing we did Mike then went back to Canada because he wanted to go back to Second City his dad was unwell but we kept in touch um, did our show in Toronto a couple of times yeah. including in 1990 so that's where I got the improv bug and yeah. it was about 20 from humble beginnings from humble beginnings well I was in the footlights which people you know I'm lucky because I toured Australia and the UK because of the footlights because of John Cleese and Monty Python really we were riding on their coattails but this improv bug took me Right Where you make up scenes and stories and sketches based on audience suggestions, and it 's all about listening it 's all about working with what you you didn't expect or maps you did, but you work I work with what you give me, she works with what I give her it's give and take you treat what the other person says as an offer so it's our thirty eighth anniversary oh wow, can you believe october ninth uh, twenty twenty three so that i'm older than most of our audience um or the comedy store players are certainly older um, but I, about 25 years ago, I thought, I love this thing so much. I want to teach it to people in business. Couldn't it be a useful thing where you are making listening the important thing? Listening, co-creating, building on what the other person said. You can deal with uncertainty didn't expect that that's okay if i'm listening i'll be able to work with what she said i'll create rapport yep. etc open to new ideas i'm doing a picture now divergent thinking which is opening look, things look up look at you as opposed to oh con- you've gone
0: all business on us <laughs> oh you've changed neil
1: <laughs> convergent <laughs> is you try and find the answer There's any one yep. answer divergent says are we even asking the right question and you need both those mindsets on different occasions don't I'm gonna, you? we're going to dig into this i've got one question though why was the cambridge footlight such a magnet for so much talent well i think it's uh self-fulfilling in a way okay uh because uh whoever it was in the 50s i don't know and then it's certainly peter cook and then the goodies and monty python in the 60s exactly Uh, and David Frost, you know, there's loads of people. Julie Covington, if uh, she was the first woman. They didn't allow women until 60-something. And Eric, Eric Idle said, this is mad. Right. <laughs> um, and Jermaine Greer. So I wanted to do the Footlights because of all those people. And obviously, Stephen Fry, Hugh Laurie, people were... They, they were the equivalent of Monty Python for, yes. for Robert Webb, David Mitchell. there's almost
0: the like people passing the baton. To yeah, the you next, pass the baton. The next group. People have next... never
1: heard of Monty Python. They've heard of Sasha Baron Cohen. They've heard of Olivia Coleman. Right. Uh, and and there's uh, they've heard uh, of you know the people coming up now through through Cambridge. So there's there's loads of them. So I think it's self fulfilling. There's plenty of people from. Oxford as well. There's plenty of people not from university. Uh, Rick Mayle, Ben Elton, yep. Aid Edmondson went to Manchester. Oh, again, we've lost
0: so many of these people yes, as well now, which yes. is such a shame. Uh,
1: but I think there's a kind of thing, oh, Cambridge Footlights is a thing, because for me it was, I'll tell my parents I'm going to Cambridge, I'll study economics, uh, and then see how it goes with the footlights. If I get in, then I'll reveal it. My dad, because he'd seen me in the school play, I'm now the treasurer of the footlights at the end of my first year, he said, Do you want to do this as your job? I said, Yes. Because he'd always said, A, study what you want, not for a job. So I'd already gone a bit off the rails because my family are all scientists. My dad was a chemical engineer doing economics. Then at the end of my first year, I said, I don't do economics anymore uh, because it's uh, people say, you know, assume perfect competition. The rational economic actor. And none of us is rational, Adam, are we? We don't buy the cheapest thing we buy from the nice man or the nice lady or because his picture's nice. Uh, so, Let, let's be
0: honest some of the largest companies <laughs> in the world have, have made a great living off the back of that exactly,
1: exactly. We're, not, we're not rational so then I said why do we do things so I did social sciences and political science which is how we are who we are how we work with other people so you can see I was always interested in, in stuff like that so I was already off the rails going to sociology and psychology then I became president of Footlights and I said this is what I wanted to do and that was it well it wasn't quite it because I heard my mum on the stage on the phone once <laughs> saying yeah Neil Yes, Neil, because my brother's an accountant. My other brother's a chemical Was engineer. there an essence of, was there a little bit of disappointment in, in Huge. your mom's- oh, okay. I could On the phone, she's saying to one of her friends, yes, Neil. Yes, he's trying to break into show business. And it was kind of so laden with disappointment. (laughs) But I win. You do. Because the comedy store players have been going for 38 years. Happy birthday. And both my brothers have obviously had to move and, you know, been retrenched and so forth with their so-called proper jobs. Yes. So the the one thing I can say is I've had a proper job. That's amazing. Uh, But the improv thing is the thing that I just love. Uh, where we don't know what we're going to say, but I know we're going to go there together.
0: Which is why you wrote the book In The Moment. In The Moment. A, a number of them might remember you from Whose Line Is It Anyway? Because I think you did that for a while as well, didn't you? How many yeah. years were you doing that? Well, that was again something that I loved. Was it Clive Anderson? Clive Anderson was that the Clive host. Anderson. The link there is he's a barrister. He's a, he's also like myself, from so. the Cambridge
1: Footlights. Yes, exactly. Oh, okay. So, so you're, you you you're, you're a barrister. So in, you're always interesting because a barrister has to have his script. You have to know the law and stuff and know the stuff. You might have to listen. You often have to. So you're kind of doing a bit of both. Because my my I, I was in whose line is it anyway? But the book is kind of saying sometimes life is improvised and yes. sometimes life has to be organised uh there are things you have to organize so for example i got here on time yes lovely james has pressed the button saying press and we hope he has anyway (laughs) this would be be great content do i have to do it all (laughs) over again and then he's going to tidy it up he'll edit out the things where i say poo or something um and then uh, but also we're in the moment here and so i have my cake and eat it in this book as i say sometimes a moment could be six months When you're thinking about, who am I? What job am I going to do next? And I borrow, uh, Adam, do you know who Woodrow Wilson is? I do know who Woodrow Wilson is. But he's the only president of the United States who who had a PhD in political science. I didn't know that. Exactly. And he, and I borrowed this, he said, people make the mistake of thinking government is accountable to Newton, not to Darwin. What do you think he means by that? Because Newton is laws of motion, yeah, and mechanics and stuff and machines press this because of energy transfer. That'll end up there. Newton, uh, laws of motion, think they obey rules. Darwin adaptation evolution, and I'm saying sometimes you've got to follow Newton. So, for example, you've got to prepare your briefs if you're a barrister in court. You're doing that's that's paperwork by the way. (laughs) (laughs) If anyone's wondering what, you've you've got to do a presentation if you're rehearsing it, it's got to be rehearsed. You've got to know what you're saying. You can't wander off the subject 10 minutes. So, I say to people, and I teach presentation, make it nine minutes 30, make sure you got your point, make sure you've got a good start, good close properly sorted out structure structure organized uh, Zoom Teams meetings makes them organized structure have an agenda yes. uh, budgets have a rough strategy that kind of where you got to get to we lung- we like that the, the danger comes when you say, oh, I'll improvise that presentation. You go on for 20 minutes and you've not made your point. Right. Equally, the danger comes when you should have a conversation with a client, a colleague, one of your direct reports, where you think, oh, I'll stick to my script. And yeah. they need you to listen. It's that balance. And, and that balance. And we need both. That's, a, that's why um, uh, I, I almost called the book Yes, But. Because in improv, it's all about yes, yes and. and. Exactly. See, oh, I've learned something already. We, we talked about that with <laughs> Adam. Did. And the yes but is yes, but when do we not need improv skills? Um, because uh, I kind of say, wouldn't it be great if everyone had improv skills, but for heaven's sake, (laughs) don't make me or any other professional comedy improviser chief executive of any company, because we're we're not so good at the other stuff, the tidy up stuff. I've always had a question in mind
0: that even when you're in the moment, even when you're on the stage and you have no idea what's going to happen, or even if I think of that in in a business context, are you still drawing down from all of the years of experience and wisdom and bringing that into the in-the-moment. Because you must be drawing from something.
1: You're drawing... A, you've got the confidence, you've got the technology, which is what Adam Kingle describes it. You've got that. You've got... Yep. I know what's going to happen. doesn't matter. be fine. Yeah. You can't help, also, if you've just come out of a, a supermarket and you're a bit cheesed off with the excess packaging, that might come into your head, you know, at the, at the last moment or, or the least expected moment. So there's... You will bring some content, material, that may have popped in or yes. just what happened to you today. Uh, but also you've got the depth of just, I know what's, what could go wrong, that'd be fine. We've been here a lot of times. So you have the trust in the process. I was about to say your you're the process. So, you got, you, so I'm, it's not completely chaotic. It's not completely out of nowhere. Of course it isn't. But there are times when you do say something and you go, where did that come from? I have no idea why I say chicken. So something brand
0: new might exactly just and, be spirited to the uh, surface.
1: We recently lost the wonderful, wonderful Andy Smart of the Comedy Store Players, who was a genius at this, of saying something and he kind of, where did that come from? And collapsing into fits of giggles. Right. Because we are almost observers of our own unconscious. We're bringing forth stuff. Uh, so you're not um, fully aware of what you're doing. If I may delve a little deeper here. Dude. They did MRI scans. Okay. On jazz performers, jazz improvisers. So they're in a, with a keyboard, MRI, yep. and they found the two bits of your brain that are damped down when you're improvising music are, I know what I'm doing, volition. I choose what happens next. Right. And the other one is, I care what people think. Now, a lot of the times... Oh, we, we could all do with turning that one down, <laughs> couldn't well, we? Well, on occasion, yes. And that's interesting. The improv guru keith johnson who recently died as well uh who wrote a book called impro but he said you become a good improviser when you let go of the fear as of being seen mad bad or wrong okay and that's when you i can see so some people come and do an improv thing and they, they try to be funny they try to be good they try to be polished they're, try they to, try
0: and force it too they much. try and
1: force it they try and write the whole story right. <clears throat> and another quote del close one of the gurus of second city in chicago said don't do the thing on your own Old on your own don't try and write the whole scene bring a brick bring a brick and together we will build a cathedral we see, i like that exactly now that that's what improv is there's somebody out there thinking adam hang on a minute who is this guy because i'm an architect i want to have the designs <coughs> for the cathedral uh i'll may i may change them as we build so again there's that mixture of prep and in the moment
0: I'm hearing so many things here from psychological safety to trust to collaboration to teamwork. And we're going to delve into some of these, uh, which is directly relevant to some of the chapters from your new book as well. I've got to be honest with you, though. Obviously, we've only invited you here on the pretense that we can get Elvorn Spencer into the studio.
1: He's very busy.
0: Now, can, can you get us L. Vaughan Spencer? Well,
1: um, he's quite ha- busy right at the moment. Uh, there he is. Um, his motto is don't be needy, be succeeding," <laughs> Which I love. Uh, and that's his book called The A to Z of Motivitality. Right. Um, you, there he is. One there of, he is again. One of his acolytes uh, who wouldn't be anything without this man. <laughs> and you can't quite see his ponytail there. Uh he calls himself Elvo, like J-Lo. He's the gangster motivator. Uh, he's in Luton at the moment. You know, he's one of the top motiva- speaker, motivational speakers in the Luton area. His
0: fourth most
1: motivational fourth, yeah. speaker in Bedfordshire. I mean, there was that, year. the year 20, 2004 uh, actually it was. You know, the three top guys. A guy from Harpenden was was really excellent, but he's kind of he's based in what people are calling the Succeeder Triangle: Luton, Watford, and Stevenage. This is, it's kind of the Silicon Valley of the United Kingdom. I think you might the, the global audience are probably now thinking, "Hang on, I need to work out where this." Triangle of mayhem yeah. is well, you know, I've I've people he ha, he has performed across the world and uh, Luton for those in the UK, you know, Luton, London Luton Airport as we call it, yep. uh you know, there's a centre not far ma- from here, not far from here, you know, real ley lines, real energy there going on, and and people say, what's Luton like? Well, I, I don't know, is it like Buffalo? Is it like Des Moines? I don't know. I'm sure that there's a Luton in every country where it's the kind of the most exciting place you can imagine. Well, let's be honest, Luton have just been promoted to the premiership well, so th- they are on the map. The Hatters. Luton Town are now in the premiership. Yeah. So maybe maybe Elvon has to leave because Luton's too succeedy. <laughs> where will he go? I don't know. Well he, he does spend some time on the Isle of Wight. Uh, you know, just that's where he goes for his mindlessness workshops. So
0: we're gonna have him we're gonna have him in, aren't we? I, well again you uh, we'll have can to we, can we Ahead of time? I, a, I think if can, can we twist maybe, his
1: arm. I'm going to say sort of spring 2024. That's when his diary is looking a bit emptier. OK. You know, his office is is, uh, is at a, a top business park and somewhere in the Luton area. So we'll just have to, you know, maybe just see uh, send him a letter or something. Right now, he's just off the Internet. There's an issue with sort of admin and paying the Bills. But he should be fine for 2024 spring-ish.
0: I love it. So we've got Vaughn, we've got Mike Myers. And, and, you know, huge similarities, I think, between Absolutely. lifestyles. Yeah.
1: What do you reckon? Uh, I think so yeah you can see also you can see what he's wearing there right now you're wearing black uh, Adam whereas he he's very much um, he he's done color therapy you know when you look at your colors your personality or <laughs> lack of it um, and there he's wearing autumn colors he is autumn and well you heard it yeah. I just see what are you Adam just a wet weekend in November what's what are you what kind of what kind of person are you Adam
0: well a wet weekend in November my birthday's in November is, is it really a, yeah i a little spooky there. What's are you a Scorpio you?
1: I am there you go I thought so
0: God, it's going to be, what a hell of an episode that's going to be, James. And we have L, Vaughan Spencer. Yeah, uh, I'll,
1: I'll send in the, the rider. Yeah. You know, he does have, you know, a the, list of requirements. Do, does he want an entourage? An the daisies, limo, that kind of thing. Specialist water. The, the, the limo. The, the limo. limo. What, the limo. What's, what's he doesn't limo? want just a, a limo. It's like a limo, but it's even better. Oh, I see. It's an even better. Oh, it's yeah, a more, exactly. It's a more elitist. Uh, if you are laying on food, he follows the alphabet diet. Go on. Where you only <laughs> eat food that begins with the first letter of your name right so he only he'll eat lamb lettuce leaves leaves yeah lambs lettuce, licorice licorice we, exactly. go, we could go on yeah could, lithuanian food as well
0: yeah well james can we do that can we meet all of these requirements for elvorn when he comes in i hope we can listen we're we're laughing uh, which which i love and i just want to ask you this question about laughter at work
1: yes we need more of it don't we I think so. I, I did a lecture the other day to launch this book, and they called it Laugh at Work. I wanted to call it Laugh at Work. Was it by work. The
0: Primrose Hill lectures? I'm, I'm sorry lectures. I couldn't make it. I would well, love to were, have come to that. You were too
1: busy, I think, hobnobbing with somebody. <laughs> Elvon Spencer. Except maybe you were, yeah. actually. That's yes, right. You're in the, the business park just chatting. Uh, so, yeah, Laugh at Work. Why yep. not? Now, the thing is, a lot of people say, oh, I teach improv uh, to business. Oh, yep. you're helping us to do jokes. I don't teach stand-up comedy, no. though I could. Uh, there are better people that can do that. But, but I do borrow some stand-up comedy things when teaching presentation skills, good start, good close, take your time, Right. look at the audience. Improv is actually a different thing. It's about the process of listening, co-creating, uh, loosening your agenda, flexing in the moment. Um, and then, interestingly, that was where I started. And then sometimes at the end of a workshop, the boss will say to me, this has been great. We've had a day with you, Neil. And we've laughed so much because people do the improv things. People can do it. This yes. is my belief. Well, and it's a fact. People are very
0: nervous, though, aren't they? They're Before nervous. They thinking, they I've they got to be it. funny.
1: And actually, when I say improv is about not trying to be funny. It's just trying to be creating, cro- co-creating the story. Yes, ending. Yeah. Whatever she says, do it. Just accept it. Just accept. Don't worry about being funny. Jokes actually spoil it sometimes because a joke is a full stop quite often. And then the boss says, we've had a day where we laugh so much. We don't do that at work. And I'm thinking, yeah, actually, if I've done nothing else than have people laugh together and show a bit of vulnerability, then I've done a good job. So, I have got a whole chapter called Humor. There are, there's some, there are some good stats about uh, humor. For example, I yeah. f- found at Warwick University, did a study that happy workers are 12% more productive. Oh, Upward bit, 12%. Uh, when, exactly. Who knew that was that precise? <laughs> we kind of know that psychological safety, resilience, all of these things, humor helps right. enormously. Um, and uh, when the CEO, does the uh, you know announces the um, the results the end of year results if they have a bit of humor the stock price increases more than it would otherwise uh people they they looked at some people uh, humor utterances and the hum- people who do have humor utterances yes. in everyday life they get a bigger bonus can you believe this is a guy from salesforce who really mm-hmm. looked at this and even no. found if you have some humor utterances in your interview yep. a job interview your bonus a year later is a bit higher now the thing is people out there are thinking I don't, i'm not funny i don't have a sense of humor and i'm saying you don't have to be you don't have to be let go let go you can be a laugher uh don't be a joke teller a lot of the improv i do is in the moment i'll give you an example which is irony so i realise that my children are very bright because i married a very very clever woman uh i've only really taught them one thing which is irony and I notice this now. Just things like you see somebody with a big hat. They don't say, that's a big hat. They go, what a shame he couldn't find a bigger one. <laughs> right, OK. And that's humour. That's the in-the-moment humour I like, which is... Is that very British as well, that kind of well, focus on in, irony? Oh, no. Now, I've done this across the world. OK. And Why well, has it been associated more well, with Well, because, I don't know, because we, we generally... If you ask a British person... Uh, how are you? Not bad. Yeah. Can't complain. It's, right. always, <laughs> it's always what it isn't. <laughs> okay, considering, sort of thing. So there is that. But on the other hand, for me, the, the comedy I love is Seinfeld, Frasier, Cheers, all of which yeah. is a huge irony there. Uh, you know, that's the art. So that I, uh, and I, I've done this across the world, teaching improv and storytelling skills. And I, uh, a lot I do is, you know, shame you couldn't be a, get a bigger one when people arrive late. I'm so glad you arrived eventually. How kind of you to bring yourself. And I'm not doing jokes about British things at all. Uh, anyway, so the in-the-moment humour, I give... A five letter acronym. Uh, the last one is reincorporate or recycle, which okay. is often a funny thing. Just mention what she said 10 minutes later in the new context. I think I know this. Ac- we've got to mention the acronym. Callback, callback okay. as well. But it's got, it's, uh, it, originally it was lager yes. listen, accept, give an offer based on what you heard, explore assumptions. Because when you're doing a scene with somebody, people say, "I can't. I don't know where to go next." Well, I say, "Well, if you're two police officers, who's the more senior? How do you feel about the police? What did you used to do? Where do you want to be?" There's always something. I'm an ex-cop as well, Neil. You you, keep, oh, that's
0: right. You're yeah, s- I know. This is it's spooky, it's isn't weird, it? Because you're you're, you've you're kind get, you've of you guessed when I was born. We talked about Victor Barratt. We talked about
1: police officer. I think you've done. I think you've done some some, some homework. I may have done, yeah. <laughs> uh, but there's always something. So Mike Myers used to say, Me, "Keep it specific." So yep. two characters. Hello, who are you? What are you doing? Boring. Hello, Adam. Great, since you got out of jail. You've lost so much weight. Something where you just kind of create a backstory out of nowhere. Uh, and so I call it explore assumptions. In a scene, there's always something to know. Oh, you can go back. You can delve deeper. Why today? Why have these characters met? But also in terms of interpersonal relationships, whenever you meet somebody, they've got a whole bunch of assumptions about you. You yes. might have about them. Yeah, of course. Um, which is, oh, you're an accountant. You must be this. Oh, you're a lawyer. You must be that. No. Everyone is different. Everyone is unique. And the last one to make it longer is our, I used to say, recycle. Keep kind of coming back to a thing somebody said earlier. uh, But then the CEO of somewhere, big, important man, said, use the proper improv word, reincorporate, which is corp, body. Bring back into the body something. So lots of stories have things that come back, Uh, the character. A lot lot of comedians do that, don't they? They bring something. And then your friends in NLP Oh, Neurolinguistic looking, programming. Wow. Uh, they'll say nesting and looping. Nesting and lo- I have not heard that before. Well, I think you should. <laughs> Nest, but you understand, it kind of makes sense. Nesting and you, shut, you know, talk about cheese, then half an hour later, you mention cheese again. Yeah. So Eddie Izzard, Susie Izzard would say. Hang uh, on, Eddie Izzard did a lovely testimonial for your, your book, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yes, yes. Um, and. How uh, do you know Eddie? I performed with Eddie. Did you? Yes. Uh, let me just finish one more. Uh, Mrs. Bad Crumble. Right. And he'll throw in Mrs. Bad Crumble or something like that. Billy Connolly. Um, Dara Breen. They they throw in a thing from earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Eddie Izzard, right? Eddie Izzard. <laughs> so for years, I used to bump into this bloke. 3 a.m. He's just come out of the comedy store. Failed again. Open spot, disaster. Doesn't get a gig. Can't even remember his name. What Frank, how are you? No, 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 no. It's Eddie, Eddie. All oh, right, okay. Then kind of cut to then, oh, you see, Eddie's doing the West End. He made a positive of his particular way of doing things. Yeah. He, he said, nobody's giving me a gig. um, And so I'll set up my own comedy club. So after two weeks, no more material. He just had to make it up. Right. So he made a thing of his just chatting. Mm, there's a thing of there. Mm, interesting. Mm, let's see what happens there. That kind of chatty conversational stuff, which is so not what you should do in stand-up. But it s- took stand-up. off, didn't it? But it took oh, off. His stand-up should be ba-da-ba-da-jung. Ba da jung <laughs> right. bing. His is da 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 Different rhythm too. Different it. rhythm. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so then he was interested in improv. And so uh, there was a TV uh, radio show called Misdemeanors, which he asked me to host. And then uh, we did a talk called One Word Improv, which is you ask the audience for one word and we make it up. So right. it's uh, unlike the Comedy Store Players, which is called Short Form, yep. where you do sketch like who's done like, it? And they freeze and let's do another sketch. We could do 10 minutes on one word. We could do 10 seconds. It was very open, but yeah. it was great. There were just four of us. Stephen Frost of the Oblivion uh, brothers and Suki Webster as well. Um, and so we taught, and that was great fun. And we just giggled a lot. And I can tell you, playing to an Eddie Izzard audience is a joy. They've come for his kind of humour. You've come to laugh at something that stretches them a bit. Right. You can be a bit crazy. You can push them a little bit. Uh, you, one time, somebody gave a suggestion when we were in the, the West End at the Albury Theatre. Somebody said, semiotics. because. <laughs> I vaguely know what it means. I you're it's, ahead of me. Yeah, exactly. But it's kind of, you know, symbolism. Right. Kind of. We didn't really do it. We did about somebody wearing some otics, and they really? were only semi-otics. Uh, playing to Eddie's audience is a joy. So that's how uh, Eddie was kind enough to, to, to give a nice... Um, endorsement for my book
0: you there are many many endorsements for the book which which is absolutely great you you just mentioned a word that i certainly didn't understand and i want to we're living in the way in the in the way we're living really a time of generative ai and i think you've even mentioned chat gpt it's not going to replace good old
1: improv comedy and human connection is it I don't think it is, but it's getting better. Uh, so my book, which is called In the Moment, on if the front you, cover, it says... Hold it up, hold it up for a us. A creative no. masterclass for every moment, <laughs> Look at that, Mike Myers. There we go, we've got it. That's an early draft. So they've got the Mike Myers quote on the oh, front. Have you got it on the front there? Yes, a creative okay. masterclass for every moment. And so surprisingly, I, Mike Myers is calling in now. As it means, <laughs> <not>. <laughs> well, maybe he should. Uh, so... I think the two things we've got to deal with now are remote, how virtual working, how do yes. we create culture, get people to learn on the job when they're not in the same room, and robots, remote and robots. Uh, AI can do so much. Yes. And it's interesting because we used to think that maybe some manual labor would be taken by robots. Now, now it looks like Chat GBT is going to take knowledge workers, uh, they, eat their lunch. Uh, I did sit once next to somebody who's, who'd run his own software business. And he said, oh, you've chosen the right thing (laughs) to teach improv, because there's two things. There's creativity and human connection. Which will never be replaced. Which will never be replaced. I say that. You hope. I say that, but I'm just wondering. Mm. I just watched some on Twitter where somebody was having a a sort of boxing match with a robot, and the, the robot managed to get up and fight back. I saw that they managed to program it. I don't ha- know whether any of this is real anymore. But also the papers two days ago were saying, in two years' time, AI will threaten humans. You know, they could kill some. I don't know how they would do that, but I am scared. On the other hand, if you ask ChatGPT, should I go on holiday to Bermuda or, or Mill Hill, it'll give you a reasoned argument. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and because it can collate lots of data very quickly and form sentences. Of course. It can draw so, down
0: on so much more than we can so ever more. hope to.
1: On the other hand... Can it have those leaps of imagination that human beings can do that occasionally are required? Those in-the-moment things where you let go of what are the people going to think? This is such a crazy idea. Chaotic connection. Ka- yeah. Well, the divergent thinking, yeah. uh, which is, I, this is not even the right question. Yeah. So at the moment, I don't think AI can do that. But I'm nervous to predict it won't ever. Uh, what I also do know that people like people. We like to be able to look at a person. Yeah and get a smile and so forth again. This is why we're in the studio together, Neil, because this is fun, right? Because you said, will you come to Mill Hill? Oh, all right. And of course, it's much more fun. On the other hand, you've done Zoom things. I've done Zoom things with people all over the world. Four o'clock in the morning for them or us. And what that connection, that human connection, now is possible over Zoom, YouTube, uh, Teams, etc., Google video calls. Isn't it great? And also, I say to people, when you've got a meeting, you can see their face more than you could if you're sitting around a board table. Right. And the face is something that sends a lot of information.
0: So you you mentioned remote and I know that's on a lot of leaders minds that they're they're, they're leading remote teams. So what are your you know any thoughts or advice for people who are trying to connect and trying to succeed uh, on that front on in a that's kind
1: of a big picture one which is keep talking to people whether it's on the phone uh, using different media, using different just have a phone call right. um, my friends at Ashish Business School had a quite good thing where they looked at leaders asked what they were doing before lockdown during lockdown and yep. during lockdown they were doing much more uh, emotional stuff checking in with people and so right. forth and of course they said basically be, beware check in don't check up but how do you kind of keep in touch with people without feeling well why are you checking in on me what's going on haven't you got something better to do uh, on the other hand, when you do see people face to face, make it worth their while. I.e., don't just, oh, we'll, get, we'll meet and have, make it creative, collaborative. Uh, that investment of face to face will pay off in the ensuing months right. of when we're remote. So don't just say, come in because we're giving you Danish pastries. And then you
0: can just do your calls your emails Uh, from the office.
1: That's what people say. They come into the office and they're still remote, as it were, in the little booths and stuff. So make it a place they want to come because there's going to be human connection. And uh, acknowledge that people want to be seeing their children, their cats, their next-door neighbour watering the plants at 11 a.m. So Monday to Friday, Monday, Friday, they could do that. But make Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, if that's the thing, uh, make that work. But also now it's the person, not the place. Okay. I think. So if there is somebody, and I've got a friend who's got a child with special needs, uh, neurodivergent, she needs to be there more than perhaps some other parents. So she can't be in the office so much. But actually during lockdown, she said she felt much more included because everyone was equal. It wasn't just her calling in. And so make those virtual calls much more human. Make them fun. Um, Start with a chat. Get people to talk about how they are. I do things like, where are you? I'm in Mill Hill. Are you wearing socks? Anything like that that gets us talking about who we are. Bring in the introverts. Get people to talk. Uh, If you're facilitating, get people to not talk too much. Throw to somebody else. As a leader, sometimes don't facilitate. Because your way may not be the way that helps everybody. Get somebody else to facilitate.
0: Different mechanism. There's chat box. There's hands up. Well, there's exactly. All, all of these. I things. I encourage
1: not ju- not just the thumbs up. Uh, or, you know the uh, digital one. Okay. Yeah. People, that thumbs up. Why disagree? Oh, not so sure. And then every fifteen minutes, try and do something. That you know the twenty 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 rule. I don't. Every twenty minutes, stand up, look away twenty feet, and focus for twenty seconds. Just it means your brains. Relaxing. Reset. Reset, yeah, because it's really hard to look at something two dimensional. Well,
0: we got complete Zoom Zoom bit, well, fatigue. Zoom fatigue. That you was know, that zoom was a fatigue a thing.
1: Versus Netflix intrigue. <laughs> which is Netflix. As <laughs> subscriptions went up. Uh yes. But I would answer Netflix TV. When you look watch T V, yeah and I don't know what if James is doing lots of vision mixing here, but you kinda of, tends to cut, dun, 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 two short wide shots, Yeah, he's, he's you can and see so, though, he's got all these camera angles now. We're thinking differently, whereas some dullard going on and on for a half an hour, maybe not even seeing them, but they're a thumbnail. There's less visual information, so I overdo it sometimes.
0: I love that. From and her.
1: there's a guy, Michael, Mar- a guy called Mark Bowden, truthplane.com, who te- he's a body language expert, and he teaches Zoom employees how to use Zoom. So stand up when you're presenting. Animate the screen. Even don't be in the centre. He had a whole brilliant YouTube about the Dutch masters, Vermeer. They don't always put the interesting thing in the middle of the shot. Right. It's slightly to one side. Intriguing. And there are lines. And where do the lines finish? I've got a bookcase in my uh, office. Oh, I've seen I've seen yours. And the lines hopefully go into my eyes. This is post-rationalisation. Oh, I don't of know what's going on. The but <laughs> just, you know, make make the experience for the user your colleague who's watching you on Teams, just a bit more interesting. Don't have the the up-the-nose shot. Don't have a a light behind you to silhouette you. So there's that kind of thing. Make the meetings fun. Make them not too short. One big company I know, their Outlook calendar defaults to 25 minutes and 45. Right. So don't make your meetings out. Give yourself five minutes between.
0: Yeah, a lot of companies are doing that now, aren't
1: Um, they? And my big tip which uh, I had in my previous book called Seven Steps to Improve Your People Skills. Look at you, multiple. Even before the lockdown was put something in your diary, leader, Ms. Leader, Mr. Leader, that's nothing. Project Rainbow, Project Pacifico. Think. Uh, Think, walk, get outdoors. Do something where you're not just endlessly uh, at the beck and call of tasks. Sometimes Be still. Be still. Uh, Or be moving, be outdoors. Another one, Liz Kentish, one of my chums, great uh, facilitator from the facilities management world, she does um, shoes on, screen on. Go for a walk with somebody on FaceTime. Right. But put the screen that way. So they're looking, oh, look, there's a chicken. Oh, look, there's a dog. There's a bush. So you're seeing the same thing. There'll be no chickens in Mill Hill. Well, not yet. (laughs) It's true. Uh, But you kind of, again, let's be uh, creative with this. Because I think too many people are doing what they did in March 2020. Right. Oh, let's have a meeting. Okay. Oh, we can do a camera. Laptop on. Do the same thing. We've moved on. It's, we must well, have moved on we have. Well, I hope we have. Well, it's I, true. So many people in pockets. have. So start using it. It's a bit of television. a bit like radio. It's a bit like a phone call. You've got the text. Uh, you can put emojis in. You can get, get Use people. everything. Use everything. And also things like when you say, what does everyone think? Nobody's going to put their hand up. You say, "Um, Adam, um, or everyone puts something in chat. What do you think of this? And then Adam puts something in. Adam, I'll come to you in a minute to talk about that a bit more. So, A, you bring people in. Give me warning. B, give me warning. Um, And I can look at your face. If your face is going, "Ah, I'll go... Maybe Adam doesn't uh, have so much to contribute now. <laughs> Adam, suddenly his camera's gone. Uh, something like that. Uh, so I'll talk a bit more. And, uh, and that's why I get pe- thumbs up, getting people moving. It gets the energy going. Do some chair yoga. Think of this yep. medium as a whole new thing, which needs new skills, which are allied to the ones we may have already had, but it needs energy.
0: I love that. And I remember talking to Adrian Simpson, who said, if we're going into the office, then go in for one of three reasons, or all of them. And that was connection, celebration or education and i like that for almost an underlying reason of getting back people back into the office that's
1: great. connection celebration education yes that's great that's nice isn't it That's fab and that's
0: I, think, I think you've referenced a number of those so many chapters i think nine chapters to the book we talked a little bit about human connection but i think we should talk a little bit more about human <laughs> connection i see a saw that the eyebrow was was raised there um Look, hopefully we're not going to be extinct in the next two years off the back of... Who knows? (laughs) It was nice knowing you, Neil. James has already left the building. He's actually done a runner (laughs) down the street of Mill Hill Broadway. But how important is it for you or how do you connect with people within the first couple of minutes when you're either one-to-one or even one-to-many? Because you're trying to build a rapport sometimes with people you don't know. So there could be leaders who are thinking to themselves, I've got to do a, a presentation to... One, too many, too many, many, many.
1: How? How do they get that human connection off the bat? Well, there are some things that are similar for a presentation to a bunch of people, 100 watching, versus one individual. Both you could do with eye contact. Eye contact is good. And so even on virtual, I look at the camera, not at the screen.
0: Yes, which is why I've got a and and I screen say to, in front of the camera. Yeah.
1: I say to people, "Where am I looking?" They say, oh, "You look at me." I said, "Well, actually, if I looked at you, you're there." Yeah. So you can't do it all the time. I look. I look at the camera and then I look down occasionally. But eye contact, one to one, is great. Eye contact to an audience. Look around. Keep looking. Throw it around. Not looking down. Not looking behind at your screen. Look at this slide. Isn't it great? Much more interesting. Well if you than got? Me. The co-
0: if you're at the comedy store, you must have. There are hundreds of
1: people in the audience. So what do you? How are you addressing hundreds of people? And also, they're like this, exactly. They're not right. just in front of you. So, you've got to do quite a lot of this. You've got to look around. But that's right. Just a quick, quick glance at somebody somebody there, somebody there, somebody here, somebody, somebody, somebody there. Do you hold eye contact with people long for a enough period? to get to just the, to the colour of their awkward. eye? <laughs> the colours of their eye. Right. Uh, that's what I say. Most of the audience in the comedy store, you can't see because no. they're in darkness. You can see the front few rows. But I would say, when you're doing a speech, ask for the house lights to be up 50%. Right. The technician will understand what you mean by that, because then you can sort of see them, but they're not in completely bright light. So they feel self-conscious. Right. Um, so play with that again, prep. Go in, work out where you got to stand. Is the mic going to work? Uh, are your shoes going to clomp and clomp on the stage? Just things like that. How easy it's to get on and off. Where are you going to put the pack for your radio mic? You going to put it down your bra, inside your pocket, whatever. Because of course they never have things for women. But I say to women, get ask for a pouch ahead of time so that that pack can go on the in the pouch rather yeah. than having to be it. Hold- in your hand, whatever. Anyway, I contact is Little things, little, mm-hmm. make little a big things difference. like that, Technical stuff, but <clears throat> okay. in the more sort of general, how do I connect with people? I love to get a response. So look, the response could be a smile, but you might just say, "How are you today?" Uh, if you can try and get something where they're nodding, it's, it'd be good. Right. So and then then there's a bit of a psychological thing over. myself oh, nodding I'm, oh, I'm nodding yes. with you. Yeah, I agree with everything you're going to say. You, who here came by train? Isn't who here's got an iPhone? Anything like that where well, you might get a few nods. Um, what I also do uh, is I might meet a few people beforehand, oh, right, uh, and then say, "What do we all think of that?" Depends how big the audience is. Uh, I know, Adam, you, you you had this. And, oh, I found you, <laughs> Sheila, next to the, uh, the the biscuits or something like that. So it's a bit of something. Okay. Try and find a connection, I would say. Uh, but when you're presenting, it's very much broadcast. You're doing most of the speaking. So first of all, think about the audience. Who are they? What do they need to know from you? What do you need from them? And uh, do you like Kentucky Fried Duck? No. Well, it's not available, but it's my little acronym, <laughs> uh, which I borrowed from Paul McGee, the sumo guy, which he may have borrowed from us. So I don't know. But what do you want the audience to K, to know, to yep. F, to feel, D, do?
0: Know, feel, do.
1: KFD. Kentucky Fried Duck. Yeah. OK. So you can't, do they want to know the facts? Do they want to feel confidence in you? Do, are they going to buy you? Is it a combination of all three? I think you've got to do all three. I right. mean, some might say do is more based on feel. But I would say there's an emotional
0: the part of it. Yeah,
1: kind of. But I know that if somebody, if I know a good number, you know, twelve yeah. percent, I might do something about it. So do you see what I mean? Emotional data is one thing, rational data is another. But if you um, if you have got some good rational data, it will affect uh your emotions yeah exactly if you say i've lost a million pounds that's quite an emotional thing whereas (laughs) (laughs) but you see what i mean it's kind of so they're all connected i would say but quite often you're giving a presentation and people don't know why well why are you doing it well because i was i've been asked to why are you doing it well because i've got some slides well what do you want the audience to do what's the call to action do you want them to buy you fried duck Kentucky Fried Duck. I, I like that. What's the point? I mean, are you reassuring them? you know, on a project. You yep. want to reassure the client, everything's okay, leave me alone. So you want them to know everything's okay, to feel satisfied, and do nothing. Right. <laughs> Sometimes you're pitching, you want to do, and the, all you might be doing is to get the second meeting. So the connections, I, like I would that. say, eye contact, yep. simple things like slow down. When you're presenting, we should speak a bit slower with a bit more... Intentionality. So we tend to speak in real life at 125 words a minute. When you're presenting, go at 100. But uh, when you're nervous, a lot of us, you go speed fast. up. So it's. So hard. my tips is when I'm being paid a lot of money for somebody, uh, the closer it is to the gig, the more simple I am. Right. So I'll just say pause, breathe, smile. Not always in that order. Okay. <laughs> because when you're nervous, you do. Go faster. Yes. And then you realize you're going faster, so you think, I'll go faster. And then uh, if I really go fast, I get on. One person I did ask once, why, why are you going so fast? He said, Well, because I want to get off as soon as possible. I
0: know. Well, I'll get, the, <laughs> get,
1: get to the end. And, and then, of course,
0: I'm out of the building. It
1: creates the very opposite. I know. You look untrustworthy. You don't enjoy it. They don't enjoy you.
0: And I'm assuming also that audiences will pick up on your nervousness and then they inherit. Boom, boom, and now they're nervous for you and they're thinking, Oh my God, I feel really uncomfortable. It's iterative. Yes.
1: So, uh, the yes and works better in both directions okay yes I'm nervous yes you're nervous and
0: I'm nervous for you being I'm nervous I'm nervous, nervous for you
1: you look at me my, uh, and it comes a spiral of disaster okay. rather than the bubble of possibility
0: I want to ask you just some questions about two other chapters and I'll, I'll say to people where can you get your book well it's probably obvious where you can get your book uh, Leadership Mindset Just help us with the essence of that, because I'm hoping there's lots of people listening to this, watching this, who have a leadership role in some way, shape or form.
1: Yeah, or or... they want to be. I call it leadership mindset. Even if you're leading, just leading yourself. Well, in a way you're leading yourself. Some people might want to be leaders and then you realise actually I'm leading, uh, but I don't have that in my job title. Uh, leadership mindset when I started this 25 years ago I thought improv was just let's listen let's work together conversational intelligence something like that and then I discovered there was a whole load of models business school models about leadership about organisations which are much closer to Darwin adaptation complex emergence nature versus Newton which is machine which is all our org structures tend to look like machines don't they process you need a bit of process but actually any organisation any team is just a bunch of people having conversations It's fuzzy. It's messy. Well, every organisation is made up
0: of that
1: complex thing called humans. Exactly. And so when I discovered there were a load of mindsets uh, and models. So, for example, there's a guy called Ronald Heifetz from uh, Harvard Business School. He's got the adaptive leadership. You you really have changed, Neil. (laughs) (laughs) I've borrowed everyone's ideas. There's a guy called Keith Grint who talks about the problems that might face a leader. There's a simple one. Uh, there's a critical one, which is we've got to do this right now. Get out of the building. It's a fire. Easy. No leadership question there. Do it. Then there's kind of, oh, there's a, there's a, there's a, a, a sort of tame technical issue. We, we need to think about this. Let's have a meeting. Let's have a committee. Let's reorganize things. There's some sort of outcome which is de- democratically yeah. decided. But then we get to wicked problems. Oh, Don't you ever find that, Adam? There are some organizations, some teams. You can't solve it. If you try and solve it and then they're happy, you piss off them. Excuse me. You cheese no off So We them. can bleep that one we out, can, can't you we? You cheese off another and i I've got to tick a
0: different box now when we publish this, James. Oh, that's true. <laughs>
1: Adult <laughs> offence. Yeah. Um, so the thing is, uh, he talks about multiple partial solutions. I call it Improv. Bricolage, a French word meaning right. flea market. You buy stuff, you do some unusual things. that Oh, try this, try that. Oh, actually use an elastic band to mend that. Kind of acknowledging there's no point saying we are here, we want to end up there. So leadership is being in the moment sometimes, being uh, comfortable with sometimes not knowing. And improv is actually trying to make the other person look good. This is where joke tellers who try and do improv miss the idea it's actually all my job is to follow the follower got to be, build on your idea and she's doing that to me and that co-creation that generative idea right becomes wonderful so in terms of leadership what is your job there are times you'll know the answer and i've got a quadrant i've drawn uh in the book which oh. i borrowed from a guy called ralph Stacey about emergent leadership it's well, just more evidence than ah. the <laughs> sometimes it's obvious what to do do that. Why wouldn't you not? I've been here before. I've been around. Do this. Save time. Seen it before. Yeah, I know okay. the answer. And then there's times where oh, actually, my job isn't to know the answer, but to curate the question, or to let other people ask the question. Maybe that new person who's just young and they'll know better than well. Me. No
0: leader can have the answers to all of the questions that we are surrounded you by. They're say just that.
1: too. You say that, Adam, but a lot of leaders, when I show them that particular quadrant, they go, "What a relief." So it's okay if I don't know. And I'm saying it's more than okay. It's like
0: a weight off the shoulder. If you
1: acknowledge you don't know, that could be where something may happen that's great. And I kind of talk about, you know, we talk about a gap in the market. There's a market in the gap in the not knowing something new and novel may come that your competitors haven't thought of.
0: Ah, so it's almost embracing that space that you embrace for improv of not knowing and the uncertainty and letting go and seeing what
1: images. Yeah. The quadrant has if you go too far because it's uncertainty and disagreement. <laughs> We're doing this now. Exactly. Like. It's, it's, all it's more like Oh, okay, fine. Um and uh, we'll dig there's that an area the... bottom left, certainty, no to do, that's fine. Yep. Then oh, all bit of uncertainty. Oh, that's where we step in adaptive leadership. Oh, leader's job get the questions asked. Then here, lots of uncertainty, lots of degree- disagreement. Ugh, chaos. <laughs> and I describe these in three ways is Isaac Newton down here yes. machines lines laws of motion straightforward yes. then Darwin adaptation yeah move about you know, see what happens yep. things happen things evolve you know, try something out then keep looking at it and then right top, top right I call it Mr Bean disaster <laughs> Just, there's no organisation there's no structure that people don't even agree on what the question might be, or, or that I don't want to be in the same room as you. Ah, oh, what are we doing? Are we making widgets or are we creating services? Ah, oh, don't know what to do. So Blimey. you kind of, it, and I'm gonna. Here we go, Adam. Are you ready for this? I, I am. Are you ready for this? When I was first introduced to this idea, it, that area, that sweet spot, was called bounded instability. Bounded instability. Yeah. Okay. So this kind of a bit of instability. Oh, what do we do? What's going to happen? Um, but it's kind of it's it's framed safely. The leader's job is almost to kind of say it's OK. We'll be all right. And they c- might do that through just the words they say. They don't have to draw a diagram. <laughs> they say, look, I'm the leader. We'll get out. And then where humor is here. Oh, wow. What, what if we dressed up as chickens? Um, That kind of thing, and so Adam Kingle, whom we love, his book is called Sparking Success. Yes, uh, he's coming in, by the way. uh, Well, ask him about um, Friends. So that the head writer on Friends often in the writers' room would say something completely outlandish and bizarre, just so as to facilitate those who were thinking, "I've got a bit out there, idea." Dare I say it? He said, "It's okay. It's okay to say something a bit weird." Because, A, it allowed others... The spark of success. The, the kind of, oh, right, it's allowed, even if the boss is looking a bit stupid here. Yeah. But also, that sometimes that stupid idea may lead to one that is actually uh, one you can get to, to work. So um, I talk about creativity as well. and Brainstorming doesn't always work because often it's the loudest voice. The quiet voice is thinking, these ideas are just too mad. I'm saying let's have creativity every day. Day to day things. Yeah. And that's where a leader can help. Okay. You know, somebody's got an idea. Let's move the coffee machine over there. That's creativity. Uh, Let's move the paper clips there. Mix it up, mix it up. not. I've got this wonderful idea for a whole new service and product. but that could, that environment that the, the leader curates. Something simple, you can Something simple, it's okay, I have an idea. All right, That's fine. And yes, and we'll try that, maybe. yes, and rather than yes, but that won't work. Yes, but let me tell you why it won't work, sort of thing.
0: I love it. I could chat to you for ages. You know that. I've got one final question in relation to the final chapter of the book because I'm always intrigued it comes up, especially within a leadership conversation as well. And that's your best advice in relation to the ability of a leader to tell a story.
1: Yes. Well, I've got a whole chapter on storytelling. I know. And I'm thinking leadership. Now I'm getting you to cherry pick. (laughs) So unfair of you. Leadership, you've got to be a storyteller. Now you say, oh no, I can't. Well, exactly. Not I can't. I, well, you don't have to be funny. You don't have to be good. It doesn't have to be a Shaggy Dogs. It can be just story. Which is, uh, there are three types of stories: it's okay. how we got here, yes, where we are now, where we're going to go next. Those are the three types. Those for me. That the leader has to do. Yes. And you can also do it in, in selling, in telling a client, which is, you know, the reason you're here is because da, 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 actually you didn't realize where you're at is that da, 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 you're on the cusp of something bad. Or if you're not careful, you're on the cliff edge to go down the toilet uh, or actually, guess what? This is where you could be. And you listen to the clients and they say, we've got this idea of the brief. And then, oh, and then you kind of create the story from what they've said. Brilliant thing on LinkedIn the other day, which is about Chat uh, Chat GPT advertising copywriters. Uh, which is it's all right. Chat GPT can do advertising copy, but can Chat GPT question the brief? No, because often the creatives say to the client, "Is that what you really want?" What's that the,
0: curiosity? That
1: actually you haven't inquiring. expressed it very well. So often their job is to rewrite the brief, not just to write an advert. Anyway, so storytelling doesn't have to be long drawn out. It can just be an image. Uh, it can just be a metaphor. Uh, often I say to people in business, uh, what do you do? And they yeah. say, management consults, we do spreadsheets. <laughs> and then I say, well, actually, what you did, because of you, the COVID app worked. Because of you, the army can help people across the world because of you my friend the consumer can go buy that thing more quickly more readily yeah oh i know so what's the real world effect so basically i say think of three acts think of the end state where was it where is it now because of because of us somebody can do something quicker better cheaper where was it before oh it took too long there were too many people it was dull okay you've got beginning and end that's the story yep you just do a little bit of act two which is what you did Because they get very, well, we did a project, we did a spreadsheet, we talked, we did a digital transformation, we did KPIs, we did leverage, we did sustainability. What? Don't do that. Just say, we did a a few things. (laughs) Don't do too much on Act 2. So story, there are lots of different um, formats for story. But basically think about where you got to, where you started, and you did something in the middle. Love it. I'll
0: be sharing that, by the way. I've got to go to uh, Singapore and talk to some leaders and talk about storytelling. So I might yank that bit out and, and, and there we go. See, I'm taking you all over the world. <laughs> we, we
1: uh, I, so.
0: I want to ask you some either or questions, if, if I may. So you, you ready for this rapid fire here we go. improv yes. session. Yes. Right, here we go. Starting easy first. Yes. Train or plane? Train. Cook or do the dishes? Cook. Oh. Vacation or staycation? Vacation. Funny story or one-liner? Funny story. Owe money or owe a favour? <laughs> owe a favour. <laughs> Time machine or magic wand? Time machine. Oh, you looked at, you looked very uh, excited at that. Speeding ticket or parking ticket?
1: Oh, I get—I
0: get both. <laughs> we I live in London, it's like, I know. it's inevitable.
1: The other day, I got caught for driving. You know, there's areas near schools you can't drive yep. in. This was a bank holiday. Could I, can I appeal? It matters. You're a barrister. It matters not. You know not, not, the law. Neil. Oh, no. It matters no. not. Okay. Pay the money. This is so difficult. Parking ticket or speeding? Oh, gosh. Speed- I'll go speeding. Okay. Um, how about air guitar or air drums? <laughs> air drums. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I love rhythm. Oh, well, there you go. Zombies or vampires? <laughs> I, I'm terrified of zombies. Vampires <laughs> seem a little bit sexy and funny. <laughs> so I'm going to go vampire. Okay, fair enough.
0: Last one. This, I like this one. Comedian in a serious film. Or serious actor in a comedy film?
1: Oh, I think I like it when comedians in serious films, because it shows we actually we can act. And not not many serious actors can do comedy. Of course, many are great. But ultimately, if they just play it for laughs, they're going to lose it. So there you go.
0: Okay, and last one. How can people get hold of the book? Hold your book up. In the moment. Here it is on the screen, in your hands. It's called
1: In the Moment. It's available on Amazon. Ah. Um, It's also uh, available from the website of the publisher who are called Kogan Page. Kogan Page. Do you have a bit at the bottom of these things? Sure. Because there's a discount code.
0: Oh. Well, give us the discount code. We'll put it in the show notes. But also, you've got a www address, haven't you?
1: Yes. NeilMalarchy.com fine and then slash in the moment book if you like but what you really want to do adam i know you're going to be doing this later is giving a five-star review on amazon
0: i will will you be giving a five-star review for the show
1: six stars oh look at you yes especially for the show um for james, nutrition. for james as well yeah well, i've got to, to have a massage now know. and a sauna <laughs> and some sushi isn't that right james it, <laughs> yeah just a little yep when's your next big gig Big gig. Well, uh, every Sunday is a big gig, right? I'm um, at the Comedy Store in London. ComedyStorePlayers.com. dot We're they're there every Sunday. Please come along. You have to be over eighteen, but that's okay. I just about make that. I think so. I've got. I've had a. I've had a, a
0: wicked thought. Yes. How about if we if we came to you and followed you one night, and did a little bit of, I don't know what James. How could we do this? Well, we we go with Neil to one and we pressure test some of this. We actually take some footage of him getting ready for the show going on coming off and in the moment we yeah. ask him for his thoughts and feedback
1: it could be quite dull the <laughs> show the show will be fun the, 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 we get there half an hour beforehand yep. we just sit around and talk we do one little exercise that if it goes well we're very worried it has to be bad yeah um, then we get on. Then after we go home, we're we're deeply unshowbiz now. Can we? Can we? Can you we, certainly can certainly come. We you that and, and dig into it a little bit. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you What do you reckon? The is other that, thing is actually this is a, this could go crazy. Okay. James, James, really? Adam. What about we do the leadership enigma live improv show? So then we do oh, that. Right. We, I don't well, know. Well, what's this going to look like? A, We're improving, Let's well, go. I, I'm of, of, as far as I've heard, you've got about six listeners. <laughs> Is that right? And that's an improv I'm most team. Most of my family. You're your family. Don't so knock they, it, Neil. The Pacifico family. James and his friend can come along. <laughs> and the studio dog. And the studio dog. Anybody from West Ham as well, if we can get them. Or not. And we could do it. We could do it. Uh, we could do a live podcast where people send in suggestions, right? Or we could do at the comedy store or at the Mill Hill Playhouse or something like that.
0: What do you reckon, James? We can We could do, do it this
1: to show anybody can do it. Because I often do this with organisations where I say, "Give me some people; they can, they have to volunteer." And if the volunteer, they're always right because they said, "I'm up for it. I'll do anything." Give me an hour; we'll do an improv show, and they do it in front of the rest of the organisation, and it's great. Let's go make it. I think
0: this is a this is a first, isn't it, James? I think what we're talking about is the first leadership enigma live. Yeah. At the comedy store. Absolutely. Improv special. What could possibly go wrong?
1: Uh, absolutely. We all <laughs> <could, laughs>
0: don't hesitate on the answer. Well, to that I'm just question. wondering
1: whether you do it live or not, uh, or whether you record it. But the, the fun is there. I'm just wondering who you, you could interview, Adam Kingle, but the but you you could interview somebody. Then we do a little bit of a show because I think you could do this, Adam. I think James can. He can do it because he's an. You're both naturally yes and type people. Okay. Um which is the beginning of it really yes I'll go with that plus a bit more that's what it is really um, and then you go to places you didn't expect so that's that's the main thing is I don't mind where we're going but we're going to go there together and with a smile on our face all over well I think
0: we've got lots of projects off the back of this one so Neil you've been an absolute superstar Yes, haven't coming I? into sunny Bermuda ah, Mill Hill, for the leadership enigma have you had fun sir? I have had fun thank you there we go Drinks are on you. Splendid. Well, it's water. Actually, oh, the go. water.
1: Mmm, this is delicious. Marvelous. These isn't it? recycled cans. Canowater.com. Well,
0: the look mm, at you. He's just delicious. done a great advert for mm. Cano Water. Brilliant. Mm. Thanks very much indeed. Everybody, please like, subscribe. You don't want to miss this episode. And who knows where we're going with this one? We're mm. going somewhere. Take care. Thank you. Join us again next week for more curiosity and insight with the Leadership Enigma. We'd love to hear your comments on today's show, as well as suggestions for future topics and guests. Get in touch with me on LinkedIn or visit us at www.leadersenigma.com. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on all your major podcast platforms and on our dedicated YouTube channel. Thanks again for joining the community.